Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. You're here in week nine of a series titled A Better Way Forward. This is uh, week nine, helping your heart, helping your heart. Everybody say heart. All right, stay awake with me. This is going to be good. This is probably um, the best way that I've ever told the story of creation. So if you've never heard that before, you're in for a treat. And if you have, you're in for a treat. And so uh, the whole whole point behind this series was God kind of tapped me on the shoulder in September and said, hey, what if we actually worked on getting healthy for 2023, as opposed to getting to 2023 and just running on, you know, adrenaline, caffeine, etc. And so the hope in this series is that you would become a little more healthy so you would get there to 2023 refreshed and rooted and ready to approach 2023 as opposed to reacting to it or quitting something a week into the new year. And so the foundation of this series is found in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And what 1 Thessalonians says is, May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through and set you apart for his purpose. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete or be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what he's saying in this is you're a three-part soul. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. This is pretty much how we interact with the world. So our body is our physical senses, who God called us to be. Our spirit is who we are, and our soul is our actual self. It's our mind, will, and our emotions. And so today we're connecting our heart with our mind so we can begin to love holy. That's W-H-O-L, whole holy, not H-O-L-Y. And so, which means learning to love others uh, means we have to understand God's love for us. And sometimes we check that off and we just say, well, yeah, I know that God loves me and, and it becomes that way. Last week, one of our bigger points that we're building on this week is when we have confusing values, we value things over people, right? And the reality is God didn't put us on earth to check boxes or file to-do lists. He put us here to learn how to love. And one of the biggest ways we can kind of get away from that and learning how to love because it makes us uncomfortable. And if we're manly men, then we would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a manly man and I don't love and I don't have emotion. I don't have any of that stuff. And that really pushes you to go to the opposite extreme of who God called you to be. He puts you on the earth. He puts you three parts whole. He wants you to be successful. And so the best way to not walk in love is to stay busy. If I'm busy, then I can use it as an excuse of I'm busy, right? And if we're here really to learn how to love, Jesus tells us this in the first command. He says, in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, which is your spirit, with all of your soul, which is your mind, and all of your strength, which is your body. So God made you three parts soul, and he said to love God with all three parts. And then the second one, he says, is just as equally as important as this. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so Matthew 22, 37 through 39 is really a heart issue, and it's, and it's our heart. And it's us not understanding God's love for us, Right? And so if we stay busy, we can, we can really get far away from that. And then our wives or our, 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 you know, our girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, whoever we are, they kind of try to pull us back to that. And Heather tried for the first couple years of my marriage to go, hey, you should really just come and hang out because it's really cool over here. I say, I'm busy. I'm busy. Right? And so Jesus modeled this the best. What Jesus refused to do is he refused to separate the love that he had for God and the love that he had for people. He did them both equally. He didn't differentiate between the two. And that's what God asked us to do in Matthew 22, 37, 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's easy to hear and talk about your heart and to talk about love and not fully understand what to do with it. Like, yeah, that's great. 
but, but I've got other things to do. And so the reality of this is we, we use all kinds of ways to talk about love, right? We use it towards anything that we have good feelings about. So I love chocolate chip cookies. See? And so I really don't love chocolate chip cookies, but I would tell you that I love chocolate chip cookies. We love chocolate cake, right? We like people who help us move. Man, I love you. Thanks so much for helping me move. Why do we love them? They helped us move, right? You really don't have that deep affection for them. They just helped you move, right? So you bought them pizza. Rick in uh, Anchorman says he loves lamp. Like you can say you love anything. And we tend to speak about love very casually because it describes our emotion towards things that we like. How do I put a, how do I put a tag on this? Because when Heather makes brownies, I really love that. No, I just really like it. And I tend to eat more than one just to confirm that she did a good job, not because I really like them, okay? And so love is the only thing that connects our spirit, our soul, and our body. It's love. It's love. And so then when it does, that leads to heart transformation. We've talked in this series about heart change and heart transformation. Heart transformation is amazing. Heart transformation comes with a deeper understanding of God's love for you. This is a belief of who God is, how he loves, and his heart for you as an individual, not corporately as God's love for us. That makes sense. And so this is what happens really when you break through your barrier. You get to that, you get to that point of like, oh, I now understand and know who God is and what, he, and what he is and why he is and why he put me here, right? And God's a lot of things, and it would take us weeks and months to cover all the things that God is. But 1 John 4, 8, Heather sang about it twice this morning, and 1 John 4, 16 both say the same thing. God is love. God is love. And so... Any discussion that starts should start with love because that's who God is. If we're going to talk about God, that's it. It's not a feeling. He is love. He embodies it. It's his essence. God is love. And so love's not just what he does. It's who he is. This is a self-definition that God is giving himself, by the way. This is much like how we define ourselves by our race or our religion or, or who we are. And as he identifies himself, it's an unchanging reality of who he is. God is love. He says, I am love. And God being an eternal being has been this forever. He has been love forever. And he will be this forever, which means that love didn't start with you and me. And it didn't start with me and her. Love has been since the light came on. And so that means God was love before you and me. God was love before there was anything. God is love. And before anything existed, love existed. And so if you remember, God exists in, in three parts. He's three parts whole, just like you and me. He is co-equal persons. He is God the Father, He is God the Son, and He is God the Spirit or God the Holy Spirit. We call this the Godhead or the Trinity. And God the Father is your Creator, God the Son is your Savior, and God the Spirit is your power and authority to walk on the face of this earth in who He called you to be. And so when we talk about God and who he is, we need to realize that he's never been by himself. That if he's been these three, that, that love has existed, and it's always existed, and it's existed among those three for us, his people. And so all three make up one, just like all three parts of you sitting here make up you, spirit, soul, body, right? In John 5, we skip ahead. We're going to be in John 4 a lot today, but John 5 says and shows us how we see the relationship of God, and we see how that God the Father loves Jesus the Son, and it says the father to the son, the son does what the father asks. And so as the father says, the son is obedient and this brings glory to the father and the father loves the son and the son loves the father and the one who creates God and the one who does both benefit each other and they both glorify each other. And it's amazing. They both make each other look really good. 
And Jesus said many times to the Jews, if, if you're familiar with the New Testament, he tells them several times, all the time throughout, hey, the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because my father sent me, my father asked me to, and he did that so that you could see his love for you, so that you could see his love for you. And what you need to see is the son who set you free came to honor and glorify the father. And because he did, we see throughout the scripture that the father honors and glorifies the son. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, that's how the son gets glorified again through us. Okay. And so the son came to glorify the father, the father, the, the father, son came to glorify the father. The spirit came to glorify the son and the father sent them both to you and me. This is the great love that God has for us. You see it in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see it in the New Testament in the book of Acts where it says, and the father sent the spirit so that we could be walking in power and authority on the face of the earth. And so for clarity on God's love for his son and God's love for you, God said, son, I love you so much. I'm going to create humanity to sing your praises. You're going to be the example and they're going to be like you and they're going to honor you. And Jesus said, dad, I love you so much that when I talk to these people and I'm with these people, I'm going to tell them when they pray to pray to you, not to me. Our father who art in heaven, hallow or holy be your name. And so the reason that God created humanity is to have a group of people who would celebrate and show and be his love on the face of his earth. And so because of the love that, that uh, he has for his son, he thought about you. He wanted his son to be so glorified and so praised that he made us. God created humanity out of love and for the love of his son. And so the problem is what? Sin. The garden, sin happens, sin enter, enters in. And now God, because of his great love, wants us back. He wants us back. And so then in 1 John 4, 9 and 10, here's what it says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so he sent Jesus as the atoning sacrifice, which means the repair, the recompense. He came and repaired our relationship. He restored us. So God sent his son to repair the problem that was originally meant to benefit him. And God says, I created them both. Uh, I created them for you. They messed up. And so now I'm going to send you to fix what they messed up because I made them for you anyways. Are you guys following? And so, yeah, that's, that's us, the people, right? And so God says, I'm going to send you to die for them so we can get them back so creation can continue. And what I hope you see is God sent the person that creation was meant for to pay the price for the people who messed it up. That's love. That's love. The reality of this is God didn't wait to rescue you until you got right. Okay, Romans 5, 8 says God showed us his great love. God showed us his great love by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners, while we, still messed, we were still messed up. So then he loved us when we were totally wrong. He loved us when we were totally wrong. So much so that he was willing to break his unity, his own unity, and say, okay, one of us, needs, one of us has to die to make this right, right? So he sacrificed his only son, which, which only son means one and only. It makes him very unique. He's one of a kind, right? So that we could be one. So that we could be one. So then God is love. God is love. God is love. God is love. God found a loving solution to the problem, but it cost him great pain, breaking his unity, losing his son for three days. 
God said, I can't not fix this. Sin comes in, I can't not fix this. And because this is who I am, because I am love, my unchanging reality that has been forever is love. And so I'm going to show the greatest display of love to my world that anybody has ever seen or ever will see. This is why John 15, 13 means so much to us. It says, no one has greater love nor a stronger commitment than to lay down his life for his friends, for his friends. And so because he did, here's what happens. This is John 13. Jesus said, now the son of man, here's, this is the sacrifice. So we've, we've made the change now. Now sacrifice has happened. Jesus has died on the cross. He's took our sin. He's beat death. And this is what happens because Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. We're together now. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. That's a lot of glory, okay? And the good thing is, is now the relationship that the father and the son have, we get to be caught in the middle of, okay? And what God's showing us in this scripture right here, if you could leave it up, he's showing us the son who he loves so much, who was the solution to the problem of sin in the world, okay? Will now be glorified even more because of his sacrifice, that's that, which brings God more glory, right? Because Jesus is obedient to the Father and only wants to honor and glorify him. It's obedience. That's why he prayed, God, your will be done, not mine. Your, your will, not mine. And so what I hope you see is the love of the Son and the love of the Father are both for you, for humanity, for creation. And so then what we get to be a part of is something bigger than just an emotion. It's just, it's bigger than just, I love cookies, Right? And so your part in creation has eternal purpose. Your part of God's plan in humanity is founded, it's rooted, it's saturated, and it's preserved in love. Whether that makes you uncomfortable or not, that's truth. And so God's love for you is not just a general affection like chocolate cake or, you know, pepperoni pizza or whatever, right? Those, those are general affections. God's love is greater than that. And Jesus' blood that covers you is more than a general coat of paint. It's more than just that. The love that's been expressed that chases you, it's deep, it's extravagant, and it's eternal. It's eternal. And it's much more than we comprehend, but we get to be in the middle of it. So it's greater than our understanding. That's why God's love is called agape love. It's a two-way street. We have a hard time understanding God's, God's love. This is why in John 17, Jesus prays to the Father, and he says, so he says, God, I just hope, I hope that you would help them to learn how to love each other like me and you love each other. I hope that you would help them to learn that. And so when you get to heaven and nothing clouds your mind and you're not entangled in sin and you're not, you're not held down or weighted down by negativity and, and everything that the world throws at you, you're going to feel the actual love of God continually forever because there's nothing to distract you from it. Because that's who he is, that's why he made you, and that's what he does. He can't change it. And so then you were made for love, to love, because of God's great love. So the big point in helping your heart, now we get to transition, there's the story of creation. The big point is this, John 4, 8, whoever, now, I have to understand what God's love is. That's my whole hope as you walk out today, is you understand that God has a greater love for you than you can understand or get a hold of yourself, and that's great. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. In John 4, 11, just a few verses later, it says, since God so loved us, we should probably love one another. We ought to love one another. And so if we're going to help our heart today, knowing that God is love 
and love, what love actually is, it's not having an affection for a cookie, right? Or a sweet treat or a you know, kayak or a paddleboard or a four-wheeler. Love is having deep affection. What it means is seeking the best for one another. God was seeking the best for his son. In doing that, he created the human race for him. We get to be here. Jesus fixed it. So then when the human race seeks the best for Jesus, because we are followers of him, he's our example, then Jesus seeks the best for God. And together they glorify and outdo each other. And we're caught up in the middle of that. And that's where God's blessings flow because we are living in love. So here's how glory works in your life. Here's how that love works. Here's how we help our heart. We become what we surround ourselves with. You hear me say this all the time, all the time. And so the reality in that is this. If you hang out in a bar, you're going to smell like smoke and beer, right? If you hang out in a kitchen, I worked at Sonic in high school, okay? When I come home from Sonic, I smell like grease, okay? If you hang out in Starbucks where I hang out normally, I come home smelling like coffee, burnt coffee, but coffee, right? If you hang out in a flower shop all day, you come home smelling like flowers, right? Heather used to work at Lancome when she was working her way through college, after college, sometime around there. And she worked at Lancome in the mall and she would come home, she would smell like perfume. You hang out in the perfume section, you're going to smell like perfume, right? In other words, your environment affects how you smell, which, which lets everybody know where you've been, right? Everybody knows where you've been. And God says, he sees, he recognizes, he calls you to be caught up in his love for his glorification. And so in John 4, 8, when God says, I am love and you, and if you are with me, then you should be loving. I am love. And if you're with me, you should be loving because that's my environment. That's where I live. That's my shop. That's my store. That's my place. My place is love. It's who I am. So if you're not loving, it's because you're not hanging out in my shop. You haven't been at my place, right? So that's a store. If you're a loveless believer, the reality is this. You're shopping at the wrong store. You're watching the wrong channel. You're listening to the wrong station and you're scrolling the wrong social feed. This is what it is, right? Your engagement with God really determines your engagement with others. So you've either been in the shop or you haven't. So let's take a look. These are four scriptures. You need to know them. If you want to screenshot them, you can. The first one is 1 John 4, 8. We've read it. Whoever does not love does not know God. Does not know God. Four verses later, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. To 16. So... We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is good. And then the 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And what God is saying in these scriptures, you cannot have a loving experience with me if, you can't, if others can't have a loving experience with you. You can't have a loving experience with me if others can't have a loving experience with you, right? Because you don't know me. They don't know you, right? If others don't know, if you don't know me, others don't know you. And that's really the reality between fake and real relationships. Surface, shallow level, and deep knowing, right? So there's this love there. And so if you don't know how to love or if you refuse to love, you won't feel God's love because it's who he is. It's not because he doesn't want to give it to you, but it's because you don't understand it, because you haven't fully received it. We're helping your heart today. And the reality is the reason you don't understand is because you haven't been with him. You haven't been in his shop. You haven't been engaged in a relationship. People can't smell it, right? As believers, 
how we know each other is by love, right? Because God is love. He reserves himself. This is a big point. Slow down for you. Because God is love. He reserves himself to believers who are living in love. So he's represented and glorified because God is love. So if you're hanging out with somebody who claims to be a Christian or a believer and they do not operate in love, the reality is they do not know God. It's a pretty bold statement. They might be an acquaintance. They might have said a prayer. Seen you on the playground. Hey, life good? Good. Okay, Lord, see ya. Right? That type of thing. We've had those, we've had those acquaintances, okay? Here's how to get this. Because God is love, he only hangs out with love. So if that's not how you live, he can't hang out with you. Because if he did, he would be hanging out with something that is not him. Right? And that's not who he is. God has never, ever contradicted himself. God is love. 1 John 4, 21 says, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love one another, which is their brother and sister. This is those in the family of God. It starts here first. It has to be in us first as individuals, as a body of people before it ever goes to the streets. It's not loving here and kind out there, by the way. I'll get to that in a second. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. This scripture right here is a big deal because this, if the devil, the enemy, whatever you call him, or the, or the negative sense force in your life can get you to be hateful, arrogant, prideful, mean, etc. God's not concerned with you, right? He knows God's not going to hang out with you. If that's, the, if that's the avenue in the alley that you live in, God can't be there because God is love. And so because of where you're hanging out, you can't get that. Does that make sense? You got to be hanging out where God hangs out. God only hangs out with what is consistent with who he is, with who he is. The word uh, in, later on in John says, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. Ask whatever you wish because you're abiding in me, because you're with me, I'll abide in you. Ask whatever you wish to be given to you. Abide means to hang out, to be in the shop, to be at his place. So he's saying, if you're not abiding in love, you're not hanging out with me. And the more you love, the more he's with you. The more you love, the more you're in the environment where he is, where he is. And so the reality in today's message is there are a lot of Christians walking around. I use the prodigal son for this for a reason. There are a lot of Christians, believers, walking around as loveless saints. We're called saints in the Bible. And they might be able to put on a good show, but God says, I don't know them. I don't know them. I don't know them. The problem is we don't know that he's saying that when they're right in front of us, right? And so these people like a lot, but they love very little. And there's a humongous difference between like and love, right? Like is a feeling. I like him. I like, you know, the reality is that I like chocolate cookies. If I love chocolate cookies, I would not abolish them, right? I would preserve them because you preserve the things that you love. And so biblical love is a decision, not an emotion. Biblical love is a decision, not an emotion. And in that, that means... I have to have a grasp of what that is from God to me first. It happens first in me before it can come through me. And so in emotion, you may love something you like. In emotion, you may love something that you like, but love what you don't. Because you made a decision regarding it. Here's what I mean. You make a decision to eat salad, right? You don't like it, but you need it. And because you love to be healthy, you eat salad. You guys follow? And so then love is the decision to compassionately and responsibly seek the well-being of another. So then helping your heart means God's passion 
becomes your compassion. The more you're with him, the more you get, which gives you the ability to give more to others. The truth is when God sees you in love, when he sees you operating in love, he sees himself. Hey, that's me. And he says, man, let me sprinkle, bless that guy right there. Bless that girl right there, right? So here it is, 1 John 4, 17, it says, in this union and fellowship with him, God, love is completed and perfected within us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance, confidence in the day of judgment is huge, with assurance and boldness to face him because, because as he is, it's bold for a reason. If you're marking your Bible, you can highlight that. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. I like to delete that T and say in his world. And so then, how is he? When this is up, because as he is, how is he? Love. So also are we. So who are we in the world? Loving. This is what he's saying. And so then, the reason why more Christians aren't hearing from God and churches aren't seeing transformation is they're often loveless places trying to be likable. That's it. No judgment, okay? Preaching can't make you love, by the way. Love is a personal decision that you have to make. This message may be, might be amazing, but it's the word of God that's going to change your life. It's God's love for you that's going to change your life. And preaching and teaching can be great, but without application in my life or in our life together, we're no different outside of here, right? By the way, people should never, ever say that the best thing at the Grove is the preaching, okay? The pastor, he's so great. The place, the singing, you're welcome, okay? The singing, the coffee, the carpet, who cares? The people should never say that. The one and only thing they should ever say about this place is, man, they know how to love at that place. They might not agree. They might not agree, okay? They might not have anything in common, but man, they love. When I go there, I walk in, I'm accepted. I'm appreciated. I'm welcomed, right? I'm loved. It's a place of love. And so then in John 13, which is later on down the line, Jesus says, by this, people will know you are my disciples. By this, what is this? Love, the love they have for one another. By the love they have for one another, people will know you and me hang out. You've been in my place. And so if love is missing, you can only hope to look the part. You can only hope to look the part. And God says, I don't care about your exterior. I'm looking at your heart. And so to help your heart, you need to walk the walk and be about that action. Marshawn Lynch says, I'm about that action, boss, when he used to run. He doesn't run anymore, but he did, okay? And so remember, God loved us when we didn't deserve it. He loved us when we didn't deserve it. While we were still sinners, Jesus came and died for us. When we didn't deserve salvation, he saved us anyway. In the, story, in the story of Luke, we're going to close service really, really different today. In the, in the Bible, it's a New Testament, third book of the gospel, Luke. It's a story about the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a younger brother. If you don't know what this means, it's okay. And the younger brother, the youngest son, decides to take his inheritance and leave. And as he leaves, it's concerning to the father, and the father looks for him every day, just like God looks for you every day. And the father's looking every day, trying to find his son and hoping his son will return. Meanwhile, his son is out blowing everything that was given to him because it's his. And while he's out, he finds rock bottom. He loses everything. He realizes there's no relationship. There's no love. He has no friends, right? And so he goes to be a hired hand and he works for somebody. And this guy puts him at the, at the worst job because he's brand new. And that's what happens when you're new, right? You get to the trash. 
And so he's in a pig, and he's, he's in a pig trough or whatever you want to call it, in a pig pen one day, and he's willing to eat pig food at this time, but nobody's going to give him anything. And at that moment, he realizes, man, I just wish I could have, be back with my dad. Like, I'll do whatever it takes to get back to my dad. And so what he does, he talks himself into going home, and, he's, and he's, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell my dad that I'm, that I'm really sorry. I'm going to own my mistakes. I'm going to take some ownership, and I'm going to ask him if he would just hire me. I don't need, I, I've, lost, I've lost the right to be called a son. But if he would hire me, it would be better there working for him than it would be here hanging out with the hogs. And so I'm going to go work for my dad. Meanwhile, his dad is still looking for him. And his dad's checking every day, and one day his dad sees him. And his dad goes running out, and he puts his arms around him, and he hugs him, and he walks him home, and the son says, Dad, I'm an idiot. I've shamed you. I've shamed us. I don't deserve your love. Would you just give me a job? Could I just work for you? And the dad says, you look tired. You look hungry. I love you so much. I'm just so glad you're home. We should probably celebrate. You were lost. You were lost, and now you're found. You're back. And nothing makes me happier than that. That's the way that God loves you, and that's the way that we are to love people. That's it. And so here's the issue. The older brother comes in. When younger brother gets home, he's like, what the heck? This isn't right. And he automatically puts the judgment hat on and, the what about, and plays the what about me card and says, I've been here the whole time. What about me? I've been here the whole time. What about me? And the father says, hey, your brother's home. We should celebrate. He was lost. And now he's found. And so what's interesting about the story in Luke, and you're going to see some of the scriptures in just a second. What's interesting about that story is it ends right there. And so the older brother or the oldest son now has a decision to make. Am I going to keep this judgment hat on? Or am I going to go party? Am I going to celebrate that my brother's found? Or am I going to sulk that he just lost half of everything we have? Now he's back in. Am I, going to, am I going to honor my dad by saying, come to dinner? Or am I going to sit by myself? And it's kind of left, for, left up for interpretation for us. And the reality is his dad's going to go hang out with the younger brother. And everybody who's there is going to celebrate the fact that one, was, one that was lost is now found. And the irony in this story is a lot like many older Christians today. And sadly, we have a few in here, okay? No names. And the reality in this is this. They don't want to hang out with people who've been forgiven. Because they want to be pretty, okay? And they don't want to have compassion for people who've been redeemed. Because it's not healthy. And... For the ones whose lives have been broken and they've been as far away from God as possible, who hit rock bottom, they'd much rather judge than celebrate. They'd much rather play the card of the older brother and be like, what about, I've been here the whole time. Why aren't you, why aren't you giving me? Why aren't you giving me? And the reality is, is once we know the love of God, it's time for us to give to others, right? And so then judgment is not love. And so people walk through these doors every week. Every week, their clothes are torn. They've been through hell. They really have. And they've hit rock bottom. And they might walk in with shame or guilt or who knows what they're walking in with. But they're walking in that door with a belief that there is a God. And there's a word that's going to be shared. 
and it can change my life. It can help me. It can get me out of this pit because we've all been in those pits, right? And so the reality in that is this. We were all the exact same when Jesus found us. We're all in the same place. And so nobody here is better, which means we choose to love people with a standard. And the standard is a decision to love. It's not a feeling to like. I'm going to decide to love you, even though I disagree with you. And I'm going to love you as long as I humanly possibly can to get you to the standard that is in the Bible. The standard is to keep love. And by the way, we're going to keep loving people until they're willing to adjust to the standard of love. But love's one of those weird things. And depending on how old you are and where you grew up, it's tough, right? And so the standard is biblical. It's two-part. It's truth and it's love. And God is both of these things. And so it's the absence of this standard, truth, and love that keeps people separated, that keeps people out of community and living in shallow relationships. And instead of being God's love in our world, we ask people to produce a feeling, and we call that feeling kindness, and we put that sign in our yard, okay? Now, here's the thing. Kindness doesn't have to speak truth, right? It calls for acceptance, which is be nice, which is just be nice, but that can be accomplished without love. Being nice can be accomplished without love. It's only a feeling which means we all walk the earth feeling like I have to be kind. And that's not, that's not what God said. We can't be love without truth and we can't be truth without love because God is both. It's the absence of love that has people against people, church against church, blue against red. I don't care if you're right or left, the middle, what's in the center? Jesus in the center is what keeps both together, okay? And so then, if we're not living that biblical standard for our life, we're living without love. And that standard is, is, is the call to us. It's man, go and, and love like I love. Now, the reality is people sometimes aren't ready for that. So then you back off, but you keep consistent. You keep consistent, right? And so when we act out of, out of kindness, that removes us from the standard. So then we act for exchange instead of out of love for one another. And so God said, when I see you loving, he didn't say, when I see you affirming, he didn't say, when I see you agreeing, he didn't say, when I see you accepting, he said, when I see you loving, when I see you loving, that's when I know you've been with me. That's when I know. And so God's love finds you when you're wrapped up in his love and his will for your life. And the glory we talked about earlier becomes blessing in your life. Because when you live in love, when that is your lifestyle, it's your way of life, God says, you are mine. We are together. I am with you. And so here's your promise. I'm going to close with this. It's 1 John 4, 17, okay? In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because he, as he is, as he is, it's a re repeat, by the way, so are we in this world. When your day comes to meet the Lord and he reviews your life from salvation until the time you get to heaven, how do you know it's going to be good? What gives you confidence in that moment when you're sitting in that seat? You're in that seat. How do you know you're going to hear, well done? What gives you confidence in that day, in that seat is God's going to say, you were me. You were as me in the world. As I was, so were you. And I am love, and so are you. Well done.
Well done. So your action step is pretty simple. Read 1 John 4, 8 this week. Read 1 John 4. You can go to 4, 8. We read 4, 8 about 70, 72 times a day, okay? Read 1 John chapter 4. Go through the whole thing. Because if you do, you're going to believe, you're going to begin to believe, start to believe, encompass what it means. You're going to believe in the love that God has for you so that you can be it to somebody else. So we can be it to one another. It's that love. It's the love the Father has for Son. It's the love that God has for you. It's the love we're called to have for each other. And if we do that, then we'll let our actions begin to be rooted in love and not out of exchange, but because of who God is. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.